Hello, I'm Pastor Zach Hoffman, and I'm the pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Gainesville, Georgia, where we seek to know Christ and love one another. We do this by witnessing faithfully, transforming our homes into places where the Word of God dwells, and by investing in the communities around us. We hope that you enjoy this podcast, and if you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning, our service times are at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. God's blessings. Our sermon verse comes from Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I really hope things go well. I really hope that things go well. Because if they don't go well, then there's going to be questions, and these questions are going to come from my boss. If I don't do well, then my boss will come to me, and he'll start from the moment after something doesn't go right, And it doesn't matter when that is. He will come and we'll have long discussions. He could wake me up even in the middle of the night if he's not happy with my answers and ask again and again. And he'll be there to greet me right away in the morning. First thing with still more questions after that. If things don't go right. He'll ask me things like, well, why why did it go that way? What could have happened to to make it better? And he'll just chide me with these questions time and time again. He is relentless, and therefore I am restless. But more than those questions about why this and why that, there are other questions that he asks that makes it even worse. I hate my boss because of these questions. Like, well, after that thing didn't go well, is there going to be anyone who will want to hang out with you, stay in your life after that? Is there going to be anybody? Anybody who will want to be around you at all? And the most insane thing about this is is that my boss isn't even my boss anymore. But the problem is is that we both, my boss and I, tend to forget that. My boss is my need for approval. And it keeps me from rest. What keeps you from rest? Is it also a need for approval that that chides you all the time? or, Or is it... Or is it worry that is your boss? Is it fear? Is it anxiety, addiction, or depression? What is your 24-7 boss that tears into you at any moment, unexpected and expected? It doesn't let you get any rest. And you know, serving these masters is actually really easy to begin with. After all, these bosses come to us, right? There's no effort involved there. We can find worry, anxiety, and fear, and, and all that. We can find plenty of reasons to stay wide awake at night or to start the day on a dark note. All of that comes without effort, but once these things get settled in our lives, then the real work and labor begins. The dealing with it, the having to process it, the having to walk through it all the time. And we get no rest. And maybe you're coming here today after a particularly stressful week. Maybe, maybe it's been stressful because of all the holiday shopping and you're wondering if your Christmas is going to be enough for people. Uh, maybe it's, it's just been hectic at work. Or maybe it's just the day-to-day stress that has nothing to do with the holiday. But it's just your life right now. And you come here tired and and you're wanting rest. And maybe as we find ourselves at the beginning of another week, we're looking for a chance to get rest. And then also even more work begins. Because if you're looking for rest, if you're looking for rest, well, then you have to build it up for yourself, right? I mean, if you want rest, then you have to 
find the right environment. Even if, your le- even if your rest is simple and fairly easy to come by, let's say you're the kind of person that when you're tired and stressed, you just want to lay down on the couch and watch your favorite TV show. Maybe you want to stream a few episodes of something. Maybe you want to watch something that's, that's uh, just on regular cable TV, whatever it is. But even if that is your idea of rest, you have to create that environment for yourself, don't you? You have to hope that nobody's going to interrupt you. <laughs> while you're trying to shut down for a little while. You have to hope that nobody's going to come in and bother you or pester you with questions so that you can just focus and forget about everything else. You have to hope that, that you have food in, in the kitchen that you can snack on or else you're going to have to go out and get that. You have to hope that what you have created for yourself allows you to get comfortable enough so you can settle in and just rest. It takes work to get there. Or maybe, even already at this point, it's December, only December I know, but maybe your idea of rest is that vacation and you've been already working on that. And maybe, and stop me when I get unrealistic, stop me when I get unrealistic, but maybe you've been working for that vacation, doing all the planning, getting everything set, 10 hours, 20, 40, 100. Again, stop me when I get unrealistic. Because you're looking for the right place for your family, something that is off the beaten path, yet has enough amenities close by to keep you comfortable. You want a place that has enough attractions to keep everyone in the family happy, including you. You want a plan for each day, and so you work, 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 work. And somewhere along the way to get your rest, your vacation becomes something that you're just hoping is over with soon. And it's not restful at all. Or maybe you try a hobby. A hobby can get you away from stuff, too. And so you you buy into a hobby. You go and you buy the starter pack of whatever you want to do. But then all of a sudden, the person at the store leans in a little bit and tells you, you know, if you really want to do this, you should buy this. And by the way, it costs a lot. (laughs) So you get into that hobby. You invest in that hobby. And it's peaceful for a time. But then as you get deeper into it, you join a club. Or you want to practice it even by yourself. And so you have to find more and more and more hours in your week And other stuff gets pushed back or pushed off, and stress builds even while you're trying to find rest. One of the greatest preachers of all time, or at least he's generally regarded as that, is Charles Spurgeon. And I disagree because he's not Lutheran, but anyhow, I'm kidding. That was a joke, and it missed all of you. And so, anyhow, he, he, he he preached on Matthew 11, and he used this analogy Uh, about a town that was fed by a stream of water. So people would drink from this stream, but then the the town, the city grew, and factories were built, and this stream ran right by those factories. And you can already guess what happened to that drinking water. It got polluted. Everyone became sick. It was intolerable. So somebody had an idea. You know what? We don't actually need this stream anymore for drinking water. So... Why don't we actually just build a wall, build a dam to block the stream from getting into the city so that it doesn't go by these factories so that people don't drink polluted water? And so they built a dam, and the water was stopped, sure enough. But the water inside of the dam stagnated, began to smell, became filled with bacteria. And so everyone else continued to get sick, but for a different reason. And that's our rest. 
Our rest so often looks like an escape. We try to build walls around us to keep the stress out, but building those walls takes work. And if we even accomplish that, we've dealt with nothing. We are trying in our rest to escape times of quiet, times of peace, times where those real deep questions might emerge because we don't want to face them. We don't block in time for repentance in our lives. We block it out. And so because of that, even when we are able to get some kind of laid-back time, our troubles can stagnate and maybe become even worse than they were before. So then, we look to Christ and his word. If you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 11, you can look at it now, Matthew chapter 11. And we'll look at the first word of verse 28 and the first word of 29. Just the first word of those two verses. First word of 28 and the first word of 29. What do they tell us? Come and take. Come and take. Come to him. You who are frazzled and frustrated and feel like you're getting nowhere. Come to him, those of you whose minds won't let you rest who feel afraid, who feel like your nerves are set on edge, come to him, you who are worn out already by this holiday season and fearful of all the gatherings that are to come, come to him, come to him and take rest. Rest in repentance and rest in Jesus revealed. Rest in repentance and rest in Jesus revealed. Repentance is often described as this deeply uncomfortable, troubling practice where we get down into the deeper and more painful parts of our lives and and, and we confess them. And certainly that side is true of repentance. Repentance can be painful. It, It can hurt, although it's necessary. But there's also joy in repentance. There's also joy in that. Because in repentance, we're turning away from all these old bosses that harry us and pester us, and instead we turn towards Christ, whose rest is abundant. And one way of speaking, repentance is an unburdening, because we're turning away from those bosses who stack up the bricks upon our hands with all those thoughts of how we haven't done enough, haven't been good enough, and how we have failed, and we turn towards the one who can bear and carry those things. And in exchange, he gives rest. And there is relief and there is joy in that. Come to him and rest in repentance. And come and take rest in Christ revealed. If you heard the gospel reading, we started in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 11, and it says that Jesus began to denounce the cities where his mighty works had been done because these cities did not repent. So he says, woe to you. Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. These cities were all busy with building up their own security and peace, as cities often do. And yet the Lord of heaven and earth was standing in front of them, calling them to repent, for the kingdom of heaven was near, doing mighty signs and works right before their eyes, and they did not see. They did not look. Jesus still offers this invitation, come to me. It's an invitation for all. And we rest in Jesus revealed, because only in Jesus revealed is there peace. And there is no rest without peace. There's no rest without peace. 
So let's talk about peace for a moment. Peace in Hebrew is shalom. Probably one of the more popular words in Hebrew. You, you might have heard it before, shalom, right? Shalom. Shalom means completeness or wholeness. Everything's put together and nothing is lacking. That's peace. Everything's taken care of and everything is well. That's shalom. Now, if we want to find one of the greatest shalom moments in the Bible, we would turn back to Genesis and we would look at day seven of creation. Genesis chapter one deals, of course, with this first week of the first six days where God is creating things. And then Genesis chapter 2, we turn the page and we find that on the seventh day, after everything has been made, God rested. And also Adam and Eve rested, and also all of creation rested. And Adam and Eve weren't resting because they didn't have things to do. I mean, certainly they did. Adam probably still had some more animals to name. And, and beyond that, you know, they were told, Adam and Eve, to be fruitful and multiply. So soon enough, they'll be having children why not spend this time, this quiet time, and get about building a home for these kids? Get a place established. Or, or at least, at the very least, the very least, grab some food for the next day so that way your morning is just a little bit easier. You know, winning Monday starts on Sunday, right? So why not do that? And we know for all the abundant fruit and food that they had in the garden, they still had to pick it. I mean, Genesis chapter 3 told us that much, at least. You know, so they still had to get it. Why, why, didn't they, why didn't they do that work, at least? Why did they rest if they still had things to do? And that's because they rest in a God who revealed his goodness to them through the world that he had made and through his word. They looked around and saw how God had carefully sculpted and, and, and crafted this world that they were living in, and they themselves also were fearfully and wonderfully made, and they knew that nothing was lacking. All was whole and secure. They had no enemies, nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. But more than that even, they had the word of God and the presence of God near them. And because of that, they were able to rest. And that is probably the second best rest anyone ever got the Bible. What's the first best rest? Well, since I asked me, I'll answer. The first best rest comes when Christ on the cross, pierced, bleeding, troubled, carrying sin, cries out, it is finished. It is finished. And he bows his head and gives up his spirit and he takes his Sabbath. He's laid in the tomb to rest. And why is that? Why is that the best rest? Because of his words, it is finished. He has completed the whole and perfect gift of forgiveness and salvation. He has brought peace between God and man so, the, so that there might be rest on this earth. There is no enemy that a Christian has and no boss that a Christian has that hasn't already been defeated by Christ. We lack for nothing but we have everything in Christ who has revealed himself to us. If you look in your Bibles, you can look up at verse 27 of chapter 11. Verse 27 of chapter 11 says this, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. Rest in Jesus who reveals that all things have been handed over to him and who gives in turn all things to you. Rest in Jesus revealed. So come then, 
rest in repentance. You, rest in repentance. Look at Jesus' words again. We have here in verse 28, Come to me all who labor, all who labor and are heavy laden. There is not a boss that is on your back or a burden that you carry that Jesus is inviting you right now to come and bring to him. To come and repent of it and turn away from it and look to him only. Come to me all, all who are weary and heavy laden. and He will give you rest. And rest also in Jesus revealed. About that stream. That, that stream where they, where they built up that wall and the water stagnated in that village and everybody was still getting sick. The stench was terrible. Well, a new plan was discovered. Somebody decided that, you know what, we can do something different here yet. Instead of just letting the water flow you know, around our town and letting it get polluted or letting it stay behind a wall where it stagnates, we have a third option. Why don't we dig a new channel for it? And so a new channel was dug and that channel led out by, the, by farms and fields and then the water was let out. The stream was let out. And it was cleansed. It was made pure again. And not only that, but it watered the crops and the plants of the forest and the fields and the farms. Jesus has come to make a way. A way for you to the Father. If you know Jesus revealed, you also know his Father. And so he has walked before you. And now he says, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. Draw near to Jesus revealed in his word, and you will rest in times of stress and in times of frustration and in times of busyness. You will live rested. Consider Christ, who day after day got up and had crowds aggressively grabbing onto his garments just when he's trying to get across town so that they might have healing. Consider how he heard the words and thoughts and plans of the Pharisees. Continue, and consider also how he looked at his disciples, sometimes wondering if they would ever learn what he was trying to teach them. And for all the stress that he carried, literally the burden of the world was on his shoulders. He drew near to his father and the word and he lived rested. And now he gives that gift to you. He gives that gift to you. So come to him. Come to him and you will find just like those who were waiting on the Messiah found. The shepherds who were lowly and the magi who were far off and not even considered a part of God's plan came and they saw him, and they were filled with hope, and they worshipped him. Consider how the baby Christ was brought to the temple, and those who were weary and elderly saw him and held him, and just from his presence lifted up their heads and burst out into song, and see how when we draw near to Christ, when we hear his invitation, we find not only rest, but restoration. A kind of rest that only he can give. As you leave, our bosses might still continue to pretend to be our bosses and still try to make the orders and give the demands and point out all the failures along the way. But we have a greater song to sing. A song that comes from the angels, a song we can sing in spite of them and in spite of even our own sin. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. 
And with these words, we know that it's not just peace that Christ has come, but he also brings rest. Amen. Crown of thorns that went all the way around his head. He bled from all the way around his head. When he was nailed to the cross, he had nails through both of his hands, the right and the left. When he was nailed to the cross, he had one nail that went through both feet, the right and the left. And after he had died, he had been pierced with a spear that went up all the way to his heart. And from there, blood and water flowed. And because of those things, we know, we know that there isn't one part of us a corner of our conscience that still feels dark and guilty or an area of our lives that we're ashamed to ask for help. There isn't one part of us that Jesus hasn't bled for, that his blood cannot reach because he himself is our perfect and final sacrifice who covers us head to toe with his forgiveness. And this Advent season, as we stand back and think about Jesus coming in the flesh, we know we know that when it comes to our salvation, there isn't anything he doesn't want to do. Amen.